Good morning. Always such a great welcome here. I love it. You turn your Bibles to Hosea chapter 5. And I'll tell you, this is a, a, a little bit of an odd lesson. Uh, you'll get that here in a second when I tell you what the title is. But I'll tell you how I came to it first. So I write the, the infographics for House to House, Heart to Heart. And we've been doing a series on types and antitypes for a couple of years now. And I was exploring a book, uh, looking at different types of antitypes. If you don't know what those are, which I've, I've preached on them a couple of times, where you've got something in the Old Testament that's a type of something in the New Testament, the antitype, which is before type. So God is able to put things in the New Testament, in the future, that are, are before uh, or have a likeness in the past. And God's the only one that can do that, and it's amazing. And they're really interesting studies to me, things like Noah's Ark and the church. And we, we get these examples from Noah's Ark being uh, you know, saved by water, only people inside the ark were saved. There's only one door to enter into the ark. You had to obey God's commands in order for the ark to save them. All of those kinds of things, and then compare it to, to the church. And I eventually want to put all these together in a book, and so I was also looking at metaphors and similes that are used for God in the Bible, and that's how I came about uh, this sermon with the odd title of God is like a moth. A moth. M-O-T-H, moth. Now, we'll read the, the scripture first here in Hosea 5, verses 11 and 12. It says, Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, because he was determined to go after filth. But I, God speaking, am like a moth to Ephraim, and like dry rot to the house of Judah. Now, how often have you ever thought of God being like a moth or dry rot? You know, if it were not found from the mouth of God in the scriptures, I don't think we would dare compare God to a moth or to dry rot. I don't think that's a very uh, flattering comparison. And so it caught my attention, and I'd never studied it before. And I dare say you probably haven't heard very many sermons on God being like a moth. But it's found in the scripture, and in fact, it's found more than once, this kind of comparison in the scripture. Therefore, it's worthy and bears reflection, meditation, and application. And I think we can take all of those things from this lesson. And I have six quick points to that regard. First, how is God like a, a moth? In this verse, God says he is both like a moth and like dry rot. We're not going to focus very much on dry rot. That's just very unpleasant. But that is a destroyer of clothes and a destroyer of wood. In Psalm thirty-nine, eleven, David says, When you discipline a man with rebukes for sin, you consume like a moth. What is dear to him? Surely all mankind is a mere breath. You think about that, that, that stirs up that image that James brings out where life is but a vapor. Well, it says mankind is but a, a breath. It's just very, very brief and very unimportant in, in many ways. And 
Our life is like that. It's, it's very brief. In Hosea, God is bringing judgments and miseries on Ephraim and on Israel. And he takes time to send his prophet to them and bring out this point that, look, if you continue in your sins, if you continue to chase after filth, I'm going to be like a moth to you. And I just find that to be really interesting. He wanted them to think on that idea that do you want me to be like a moth to you? We often think of of Jesus as being the lion of the tribe of Judah or like the lamb. Those are are more pleasant images than, than being like a moth, the creature of the night, a creature that point number one is destructive. A moth is a creature that devours any kind of garment or cloth and seizes upon it and it makes it good for very little. So when God devours here a nation or it can be a people or a person, he does so and he makes them good for very little. Ezekiel 25, 7 Therefore, behold, I have stretched out my hand against you and will hand you over as plunder to the nations. And I will cut you off from the peoples and will make you perish out of the countries. I will destroy you. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Now, this runs contrary to the way a lot of people in that time period would think. They would think, well, my God is is bigger and and better than your God. And I'm going to set up... My gods and whoever wins this battle or whoever wins, then that's the true God and my God has conquered yours. That's not what God's saying at all. He's saying, I'm going to allow these ungodly people to conquer you and then you're going to know that I'm the God. I told you you were going to be conquered. And he makes them good for very little. He leads them to destruction. So number one, when God is like a moth, it is too destruction. Number 2. <clears throat> it is he is without respect. A moth will go into a closet and it will eat very cheap clothing. And it will also eat very expensive clothing. It will eat cheap material that's been set aside for a purpose and it will eat expensive material <clears throat> that is set aside for purpose. God when he comes to spoil or destroy a nation or a people or a person, he does not spare the rich more than he does the poor. You know, in times, I think that we can get a little bit classist in our, our society, and we think that, well, if I'm rich, I'm okay. I've got my stores uh, set up. I'm okay if, if, there's, if there's famine, I'll be okay. I've got my... Storage supply. I've got my, uh, I've got my safe room. I've got my vaults. I've got my all this these material things, but it doesn't have to be just the rich. It can also be the poor who stumble. <clears throat> I know someone who who was struggling and was starting to fall away because uh, they were the the poorest member of the congregation, and they would come and they felt bad because they weren't able to do everything. They felt like people were looking down on them. Now, the case was, I truly believe, that people were not looking down on on that person. But that's what they they felt bad. They couldn't 
bring as good a food to the fellowship meal. They couldn't give as much if the roof needed to be repaired. And, and they were a poorer person financially than the other people in that congregation. We need to go out of our way, of course, to make everybody know that they're loved in, in the house of God. In, in Christ's church, everyone is, is loved. It has nothing to do with how much money you have. We have to keep in mind that sin is no respecter of persons. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and everyone is in need of Jesus and his gift, the grace of Christ. When Peter opened his mouth in Acts 10, 34, 35, and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons, but in every nation he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. So, so often it is the case, though, that the rich are the least fertile field for the gospel. I've had people at house to house that have come to me and they say, well, can you get us demographic information on our community? We'd like to send to the, the nicer areas in town. And I tell them that, no, I can't get you demographic information on it. I mean, yes, it's possible to do that, but we won't. And that's really not a very wise thing to do. Because oftentimes, the rich are less likely to feel the need of the gospel. Jesus went to all people. He was received a lot better by the poor and the disenfranchised. And we need to reach out to all people. But you can expect that the rich often feel like, well, I've got a hedge around me. I've got protection in my wealth. And they're putting their faith in that wealth instead of God. But when God destroys like a moth, he is able to lay waste to all of those things. And at any moment, they can be lost or made insecure. So the second way God is like a moth is that he is without respect. It affects the rich and the poor. The third way is that the moth will go after that which is unprotected. It will feast on clothing that is not carefully and wisely kept from dust and filth and clothing that's not being used very much. That is where the moth feels safe and, and enters in. And things, on the other hand, that are kept safe, that are clean, that are checked, that are inspected, they do not need to fear the moth as the other clothes do. In the same way, God will not come upon the holy and godly people to destroy as he does those who are chasing after filth. Those that keep their hearts pure from corruption of this world do not need to fear God as a destroyer. Now, don't misunderstand me. It's very possible that bad things will happen to those that are, are godly people, those that are righteous people. If you don't believe that, just look in the Old Testament at the example of Daniel, for example. He was carried off into captivity just like his people were. But he kept himself pure. He kept himself holy. He kept himself righteous even in that circumstance. So yes, bad things were happening to him, but God was with him. And he was not destroyed. He was safe in the lion's den even. 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the same thing. Joseph, the same thing. Bad things happened to them, yet God remained with them. God was not like a moth to them. So those that keep themselves pure and purpose in their heart that no matter what circumstance I find myself in, I've already thought about this and how I'm going to react. I think oftentimes when we have trouble as Christians is we get put into a situation and we haven't thought about how we should react to that situation. We haven't already purposed in our heart that if I get into this situation, here's how I'm going to react. And so it's easier to just go along, to get along. It's easier to just cave in to sin. And oftentimes that's how we find ourselves in trouble. We have to purpose in our heart. We have to meditate on God's Word. We have to carry it with us wherever we go in our hearts. And it will come out of our mouth. And it will come out in our living. These are hard things to do. But God will be with us when we do. The fourth way that God is like a moth is that He is stealthy in this destruction. A moth will eat and devour secretly. It doesn't make its its presence known. It sneaks in. You won't quickly find him to exterminate him. He doesn't make any noise. He just comes in and stays hidden in the garments as he destroys. And God does not always act this way. Sometimes God very clearly passes judgment on a people, such as the case with Sodom and Gomorrah. That's not very moth-like, is it? Uh, he bombarded that those towns with, with sulfur and, and brimstone. But God often, when people are falling away from Him, is stealthy in His action. They may not even understand or know that it's actually God acting in their life and hoping that these people will turn and repent. He's giving them time uh, to do that. And they don't even sense His presence in that way, or they don't recognize His authority and presence in what is going on in their life as destruction is taking hold. And then a fifth way, and this is the one that I, I, I really meditated on and thought about all week after I came across this, this analogy, this simile of God being like a moth, is that a moth will eat and spoil by degree. It doesn't consume and spoil the entire garment all at once, uh, but little by little until that garment is good for nothing. And God will bring ruin or destruction on a people also by degree. He does it gradually many times. And we see this throughout the book of Amos. He's calling these people to come back to him. He's giving them time to repent. He says, like, I'm going to be like a moth to you. You're going to start seeing holes in your garments, in the sense, your spiritual garments. But if you would just turn back to me, and this is true for us today, he'll give them robes of white. He will give them perfect, complete, holy garments. 
God gradually takes steps to touch Israel in various destructive ways, hoping that this will, in turn, step them back towards Him, that they will repent of their evil ways and chasing after filth and instead come back to Him. And we see this taking place even in the very last book of the Bible, in Revelation chapter 2. In Revelation chapter 2, this is Jesus talking to the, the seven churches of Asia. And we get in verses, we'll start in verse 18. It says, Unto the angel of the church at Thyatira write, These things saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a flame of fire, and his feet are like fine brass. I know thy works, and charity, and service, and faith, and thy patience in thy works, and the last to be more than the first. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee, because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess, to teach and to seduce my servants to commit fornication, to eat things sacrificed unto idols. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication, and she repented not. Now this is some symbolic language here, but something is going on in the church at Thyatira. And he has given them space to repent. And notice, too, Jesus gives them a compliment at first. He says, look, at these are the good things that you're doing. He eases into this as he, he moves towards the rebuke and the correction. But he says, look, you're doing some things, some things well. And, and they're very, very nice things, too. Faith and patience in your works. But, nevertheless, I've got this thing against you. And you need to fix it. And... Evidently, he has, has given some things in there like a moth. He has, he has pushed them towards repentance. That can be a number of, of different things. One of them can just be giving somebody enough rope to hang themselves. And instead of turning back towards God, they've gone further, away from God. Uh, and the results are not going to be good. Like a moth, he is going to destroy them. Also in Job 13, this is where Job's friends have have turned on him. They've given him some bad advice. And he rebukes his friends. And he says in, in verse 28, Man wastes away like a rotten thing, like a garment that is moth eaten. He's bringing up that same idea. It's like, look, when man pursues his own interests, when mankind chases after filth, he, he becomes like this garment that is moth-eaten. And God is saying, that's who I am. I'm bringing that about in you in hopes that it will turn to repentance. Godly sorrow works repentance. So when someone is lost and someone is not following what God wants them to do, oftentimes we pray for that person. One of the things we should pray is that God will bring about something in their life that will bring them to sorrow, that will... They'll prick their heart and touch them in such a way that they will turn away from that life that they are living and turn back to God. Such is my prayer for those that I know are lost. And then sixth and finally, a moth may attack from the inside out. So a moth will kind of burrow itself deep in the clothings and the interior of the garment and break down the structure of the garment. You may not see it from the outside, but on the inside, 
the moth is attacking that garment, breaking it down, taking away the structure, making it good for nothing before it appears on the outside. But inwardly, it's full of of holes and is good for nothing. God's wrath and displeasure can also work from the inside out. The wages of sin, of course, is death. And sometimes these things come about in small, imperceptible ways. And sometimes people are able to keep that decay, that weakness, those holes in their heart and in their life, their sin. They're able to keep those things secret for a time. But your sin will find you out. And this is where I think we can make application to ourselves. I think you're looking at the nation of Israel, the tribe Ephraim. They're, they're looking at these things. They're... He's saying, look, you need to turn back to me or I'm going to be like a moth that destroys you. The moth can go from the inside out. It starts with our hearts. It starts with our conscience. And we know that we're not doing as God would have us to do, but we can keep it hidden. We can put on a good face. Nobody's going to know. It's secret or hidden sin. Sometimes we're very good at that, putting on a good face. But God knows that and inwardly it will be tearing us apart. You remember Samson, the story of Samson, and he kept telling uh, Delilah different things that would make him weak, and of course he was lying to her most of the time until that last time. And, but he would get up and he would still have his strength and he would take them to task. And then that last time he told her what the real way to, to take his strength away is. If you cut my hair, I'll lose my strength, he would have broken his vow with God, the Nazarite vow. And that happens. His hair gets cut while he's sleeping. And you'll remember that he says, this will be like other times, I will quickly get up and, and take care of this problem. And he found that God had left him. That his strength was gone and he was able to be taken into captivity. When an inward life and heart of people is gone. They may not understand the cause. They may not understand that it's because of their sin and God is working this about in their life. They may not perceive that God is pushing them to ruin in order to bring them back to truth. But God is like a moth to them. We can see then from this short passage, I think that God is like a, can be like a moth in every aspect of life, but it's not something that we want Him to do. We don't want Him to be like a moth to us. He can bring about judgment on an unrighteous people or a person, and no one should think of themselves secure in their own private sin, for be sure your sin will find you out. And God may let His wrath out in little things for a while, before he takes us a step towards ultimate destruction, giving us time for reflection and repentance. Now, it's easy for us, I think, to see this going on in our nation, to make the application from this that, oh, well, our nation is going down this path of destruction, and they're following sin, and, and it's true. We do see that going on. But I think that the analogy here, coming out of Hosea, is he's talking about rebuking Israel or a portion of Israel and we are the church is 
spiritual Israel today. He's talking to us through the Old Testament. He's asking us to take stock of our own lives, of our own heart, of our own actions, and making sure that we're keeping our hearts and minds pure and clean, and we're not chasing after filthiness. We're guarding against the moth, seizing hold of us, and eating us from the inside out. We've got to keep our hearts pure. And today, if you're struggling with that, if if that's what your struggle is, and God is being like a moth to you, you see the things that are going on in your life that are bringing about destruction, that are pushing you towards destruction, that's a call to repentance. That's a call to come back to Christ, and He will be a friend to you. He will be there for you. I, I thought about asking... Brother Carl, to lead a, a song about God is like a moth, but I couldn't think of any. I maybe send the light. I don't know. They, they chase after lights, but but uh, but I thought the songs as you were singing them, I thought all of them were very appropriate to this idea. This idea that God can be and Jesus can be a friend to us, but He can also be like a moth if we're not doing what we should do. If you need to to repent for any reason. This morning, if you need to come back to Christ, we would encourage you to do that. If you haven't ever put on Christ in baptism, but you can see this acting in your life and you need salvation from your sin, we would encourage you to do that this morning as we come and as we sing. Careless soul, why would you linger?